Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to DBR Bites, episode 14. I am your host for this episode. I am Sam Klein. Sorry I wasn't on the recap this morning that we recorded. We're recording on Sunday evening, the 19th of February. Donald and Jason recorded this morning to recap that Syracuse game. So I'll give you a few thoughts on that as, I guess, parting shots on on their discussion that I mostly agreed with. I'm joined by Donald for this preview of Duke's lone regular season game against Louisville tomorrow. Donald, good evening. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I, it's weird that I am the constant for the two episodes we've recorded today, given that I had, I'm had i in Nashville and I had a women's soccer game that I have attended and done all the events for since this morning's episode that we recorded. And as Jason mentioned, I was in Vermont this weekend skiing. Uh, I have mostly recovered from the mouth surgery that I had uh, for which I had to be taking painkillers on Thursday. Uh, <laughs> do not recommend that experience, but uh, do recommend skiing in Vermont on the right days because sometimes I think I think it gets a bad rep, uh, probably justifiably so. The snow is not as good as it is in in the western part of the United States, but uh, under the right conditions, it can be extremely satisfying, which is at least what I had for the last two days. So that was delightful. I just got back home. Uh, a little under an hour ago, and we're now going to do this preview. I did, Donald, before we start, just wanted wanted to take the floor for a second to talk about the Syracuse game. I think, as I said, you guys did a pretty good job. We did hear from one listener who said that they were there and uh, that the the reported crowd was not nearly as rabid as uh, as they had seen in, in prior years for for this event, which I can kind of understand. My one observation, I, 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 by the way, when you guys were doing your favorite play, I was thinking about the exact same play that both of you picked out, mm-hmm. which was the, uh, the lively block to Proctor. I think the the context of that play, I, I don't know that either of you mentioned it. The reason that I picked it as my play of the game is that while Duke got out to an early lead and was mostly able to hold Syracuse sort of away from from making a run, that was the play where I felt like there wasn't any turning back. It was, it was relatively late in the first half. I think there were like five or six minutes left in the first half. It was right before the under four timeout. I want to say. Yeah. And, and it felt to me after that, like Syracuse, had sort of lost their hope for coming back. Like, like if Duke was going to be that good at blocking shots and that good at making transition threes, that there's really no stopping the blue devils, at least not if you're Syracuse, but otherwise, I thought that the the recap was was very sufficient. So thank you guys for for holding it down for me. And uh, I swear that I watched the game, as I noted, I, I, <laughs> I picked the same I picked the same play. I was very excited about all the three point shooting. And I am sure that now that we're talking about this Louisville game, we are going to be talking about three point shooting at least a bit. The one thing, Donald, before I ask you sort of where Louisville has been this season, spoiler, mostly in the trash. Uh, although true as you as you you highlighted uh a very recent victory against clemson yesterday is something that is at least worth noting uh before we get to any of that to me the biggest story about this game is that it's nolan smith's return to cameron indoor so before we say anything about the players and what to expect may i issue a a blanket request to anyone that is going to be in the building tomorrow to give nolan smith all of the love and appreciation that he deserves as one of the most popular, if not the most popular Duke guy to be associated with the program 
over the last 15 years. Like maybe he was eclipsed by Zion Williamson, but prior to Zion's appearance on campus, I feel like Nolan was the most universally sort of beloved guy, both inside the Duke community and with other programs. Like he was probably the first guy after a string of Duke guys that everyone hated and and not just the white guys, right? It's not just that people hated JJ Redick and Greg Paulus and Kyle Singler and John Shire for that matter. Like people from other schools hated Shane Battier. They hated Sheldon Williams, all like every Duke player in the two thousands that feels like fans of other schools hated, except everyone was like, I like Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith is cool. We dig him. We love his story. And, and he was just, all around a great guy. So he's back in Cameron tomorrow for the first time. And I hope that every Duke fan in attendance uh, gives him a ton of love. There's the, re- there's a reason why he's called the people's champ, right? Like we don't just give that nickname to everyone. We give it to Nolan Smith because he really was uh, a, a guy that he was all over the place. He was on campus all the time. He was active. Even when he was an assistant coach, he was active in student activities. He was always he it always felt like he had a, the pulse of the streets and the pulse of the fans of what was needed to kind of motivate uh, the team to success. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Get everybody out there. Um, I know we can't be there, but you know, for all of us, uh, give him the love, give him his flowers while while we have him in Cameron because uh, it's it's still weird to say that he is associated with the Louisville Cardinals, um, and, and he's always going to be a Duke. Uh, player, a Duke coach, and just again the people's chant to us. I I was wondering earlier if Nolan's going to be like going to any Durham places while he's in town for the uh, for the business trip, as they say. Like if he's if he, you know if he's going to cookout, is he is he going to the Dankery? Is he is he getting anything while he's in town, or 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 is the schedule limited? So it's a holiday weekend, and I don't know if Shooters is open on Sunday nights on President's Day weekend. It used to be. Um, you never know. You it never would be something for a an opposing coach to make an appearance at Shooters. But if it was appropriate hey, for mean, anyone, it... it would be appropriate for him. <laughs> Donald, let's talk about the team. And uh, before we get, let, let's say, let's put aside the Clemson game for a second. Let's pretend that we were doing this before the Clemson game, the game that Louisville won on Saturday uh, at home at, at the KFC Yum Center for some reason. Prior to that game, we had we had sort of, talked in in broad terms throughout this show throughout the season about how bad Louisville's season was going but just give us the recap on that prior to the Clemson game yeah so I'm gonna include the record including the Clemson game but they are four and 23 four wins 23 losses two and 14 in the ACC they are obviously dead last Um, but the thing about them is who they've lost to and as we've talked about in the beginning of the season they started out just losing to some terrible teams. Bellarmine, Wright State, Appalachian State, Lipscomb. They've lost to Florida State twice. They've lost to Boston College. Their only wins this year until last until Saturday night was against Western Kentucky, Florida AM, and Georgia Tech. All of those games have been at home. They have zero road wins. Of course, this game on Monday night is in Cameron. Honestly, we're looking at this team as one of the you know worst teams in the ACC like one of the worst teams in the history of the ACC. They've been historically bad this year. What do, And it's kind of unclear why, except for a few things, right? They don't get a lot of turnovers, and obviously they turn the ball over a lot. They don't make a lot of passes. You're not going to see them get a lot of assists. And 
it also feels like when you know, they obviously have a new coach in Kenny Payne, a new coaching staff that includes Dylan Smith, as you mentioned, it feels like they've kind of started over. Like the cupboard felt like it was left bare. They are younger. I mean, as young a team as Duke is, they are younger than Duke is. Uh, I mean, they just have a lot of guys who have kind of been thrown to the wolves, so to speak, and they haven't really quite put it together. And it's, it's for a lot of it, they're not even, it's not even like they're getting blasted, right? Sometimes they're losing close, but a lot of these games are, you know, games that don't really have, uh, they're over by, you know, halftime. They haven't been playing very well. I'm going to say this though, and we're going to, uh, I'm going to you know include the Clemson part later, but what do they do well, right? Like they do, you know, one of the things is they are one of the tallest teams in Division One, so they're going to match up with us a little easier than teams that we've seen this year because most of the teams were, you know, we have guys that are way taller than them, but they're going to have some guys that they can throw some bodies at. The problem with it is that they just don't make their shots. They're very sloppy, and normally it's a team that you can count on to take a lot of threes and not make them, but what they do do well Sam is get to the free throw line that's where they are keep staying in games that they do are, are contending to victory they are getting to the free throw line and they're making their free throws Clemson uh, was no exception but that is kind of where they're at right now and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about what makes them tick especially the kind of guys that you know that they have in L. Ellis who's kind of been leading their team and really been as he goes so goes the team yeah I'm glad that you brought up the, the free throw shooting because that's been that's been key for them recently, and against Clemson, it was one of the keys. I just want to go back to their history a little bit because you mentioned that they're like one of the worst teams in ACC history. It's crazy to think that just three years ago, the, the year that we didn't play the NCAA tournament because of the onset of the coronavirus pandemic, uh, they got as high as ninth in Ken Palm, and the NCAA tournament selection committee met and released at least the the names of the, the identities of the teams that would have made the tournament and the seedings they would have gotten. Louisville was considered a four seed that year. The next year, with Chris Mack still at the helm, they were 59th in Ken Palm, didn't make the tournament. They were 127th in Ken Palm last year, certainly did not make the tournament. This year under Kenny Payne, so far, they're 277th, and the worst that they've been this season was 305th in Ken Palm. They, like... I mean, they were really, I mean, they were. That's very bad. If, 277 were, I mean, again, is very bad. Uh, 277 is bad, but they went up 11 spots last night by beating Clemson. Like, that's how low they've been this year. I mean, it's, it, 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 it's terrible. Uh, it, 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 it's terrible how bad they've been this year. It's, it's embarrassing for them. And honestly, for the conference, there is an element. Like, if Duke loses this game tomorrow, I, I do not know what I'm going to think about it. But this this season under Kenny Payne has been so bad for Louisville. And, and, like, and I feel terrible, right? Kenny Payne is an alum of the school. Nolan Smith didn't go to Louisville, of course, but his dad did. And, and Nolan's always had a strong tie to the school. I think he was excited to be there this year. They had some returning guys who we'll talk about in a second that were that, that have been key contributors and, and should have uh, propelled them to greater heights this year. And it has just been an absolute disaster. So, with all that said, let's look at the team. And I, I, you highlighted a couple things. One of which is the free throw shooting against Clemson. I, I think when you're when you're looking over this game, two things that stand out to me. One is that Louisville sort of let PJ Hall run all over them, and Duke has has flirted with this strategy before to to mixed effect. PJ Hall 
scored 28 points against Louisville on 21 shots. He, he, he only made one three pointer, but he was 11 for 16 from inside the arc in general. Clemson was terrible from three in this game, and I, I I didn't watch it, so I don't know if that's Louisville's defense or if that's Clemson just had an unlucky night from beyond the arc. Four for 24 on the night. P.J. Hall got his, so Louisville kind of let P.J. Hall run all over them and let Clemson shoot themselves out of the game. On the other side, you mentioned the free throw shooting. The other thing that stands out to me, Louisville was 26 for 28 from the stripe. Clemson's 11 for 15. There's your, there's your ball game right there. That's the right. That's the whole game. And, and there are two things about that. Both the 26 and the 28 are very impressive because they made over 90 percent of their free throws. That's amazing and is one of the things that they've actually been pretty consistently good at all this season. The other thing to note about that is that they took 28 foul shots, which means they were getting to the line and they were forcing Clemson to foul them. None of the Clemson players fouled out, but three of the five starters ended the game with four fouls, including PJ Hall. So this seems like the key for me, a, a Duke team that has not been super foul prone this year. But as you said, Donald Louisville has the size to match up with Duke. So, you know, we'll, we'll go back to Kyle Filipowski who had a great game against Syracuse. He has struggled against guys who are of similar size. So that is, that is one of the guys that, that Duke needs to protect in this game. And Derek Lively is another one who, you know, you can imagine Derek Lively having five or six blocks and one or two fouls, but you can also kind of see it going the other way where he fouls out because he's not getting exactly the right positioning. That, I think, is going to be the difference in this game, assuming that it is close at all. There's also a chance that, you know, if Duke is shooting anywhere like the way that they shot against Syracuse, that this one will be over within like 10 minutes. With the two big men you just mentioned on Duke's side, Derek Lively and Kyle Filipowski, the one thing that they both have been doing lately that's been very good is rebounding the basketball. Against Clemson, Louisville had 31 defensive rebounds. They had out-rebounded Clemson 37-26. to 26. So that's going to be something where, again, that size matchup is going to be a, a big deal. Traditionally, this season, Louisville has not rebounded the basketball very well, but they did so against Clemson. Derek Lively and Kyle Filipowski are going to have to be on the boards. Ryan Young, when he checks into the game, those offensive rebounds, those are going to have to be key, and they're going to have to keep Louisville off the glass because that's kind of what kept them in the game. They gave obviously gave them more possessions with the basketball, and they gave them more opportunities to try and make plays and, like you said, go to the free throw line and make free throws. It is one of the more damning things about their performance this year that despite the overall size of the team, there, there aren't – they don't have, like, real – a lot of like big, big guys, but they have a lot of relatively big guys. If that makes sense, there's a lot of sort of swing size players, like six, nine, six, ten guys. Like exactly. Yeah. But given that they're basically an average rebounding team and that's a, that's a huge indictment of, of something that's going on there that, that they haven't managed to turn that size into effective rebounding on, on at either end of the court. They're, they're pretty much average. Donald, you mentioned uh, one guy who I'm sure is, is excited for this game is L. Ellis. He, uh, if Duke fans don't remember, last year when Duke played Louisville up in Louisville, uh, L. Ellis, who is a Durham native, dropped 18 points on Duke uh, in a season where he otherwise was averaging about eight and a half points per game. This year, he is averaging 18 points a game. He is by far Louisville's leading scorer. He's been in double figures in all but like four or five games this season for the Cardinals. Now, of course, that hasn't necessarily translated to wins, but L. Ellis gets his. 
and I am sure he is excited as heck to be in Cameron Indoor Stadium playing in a in a competitive game, at least for the first time. This is a classic situation of you can't let one guy beat you, but you also can't let the rest of the team beat you either, right? Like L. Ellis is the only guy who averages in double figures, and like you said, he averages 18 points a game. And we've done this, right? We've had teams where we say, okay, this one guy is going to get his buckets, but we can't let the rest of the team beat us. This is going to be one of those games where L. Ellis is going to lead them, is going to carry the load scoring. He's going to take the most shots. He's going to try and get to the line. He's going to try and make, you know, baskets and make things happen. The other guys are going to be the thing, are going to be the people that we need to key in on and make sure that they don't also get hot. Because if L. Ellis is going to go off for his 18 or 20 points, that's going to be fine if everyone else holds par and that's where the defense comes in. That's where, you know, the backcourt's going to need to step up and and really handle uh, everyone else who comes off the bench because Louisville does play uh, a few guys uh, off the bench. But again, those guys aren't coming in to produce when on the scoreboard, they're coming to produce in other ways. So we need to make sure that, that we hold those guys to as few points as possible, because if we let someone else get hot alongside Ellis, that's where Louisville has become dangerous in those few games that they've won. Ellis will remind Duke fans. I imagine a lot of Judah Mintz from Syracuse, similarly sized players and both guys. I think we saw this yesterday against Syracuse. Judah Mintz was able to make a lot of buckets and and was able to draw fouls against Duke. Ellis has a has a very similar game where he's not the most efficient scorer, but he is very good at drawing fouls, getting to the line, and then making his free throws. He like on the season is over eighty percent from the stripe, and and so Duke has to decide. The other thing I should have added about Ellis is that uh, he he creates a lot of assists. He also creates a lot of turnovers. So it's going to be very interesting to see the way Duke attacks him in terms of you want to try to turn him over, but you also don't want to foul him because he can get to the line and, and he can make his foul shots in addition to setting up his teammates. And on the other end, right? Like Louisville does turn the ball over quite a bit, but so have we, we we've, we've been, you know, prone to turn the ball over. We need to not be sloppy and take advantage of every opportunity that we get. Because I think if we win the turnover battle, that'll really go a long way towards making sure Louisville is re- remains out of contention to win this ball game. But if we're going to be sloppy alongside them, that just neutralizes them and they can try and beat us another way. So I think this is a classic situation of Duke on paper looks good. It looks better than Louisville. On the scoreboard, they look better than Louisville. They just need to go out and execute, and they need to make sure that they understand that Louisville can get them if we play down to their level, and we can't walk into a situation where they are dictating the tempo of the game. One more guy for Louisville that that I would like to remind Duke fans is still around is Jalen Withers. He's a junior now this year for Louisville and uh, is a very efficient scorer and also one of the better rebounders on the team. I I mentioned that Louisville is not a great rebounding team overall. Withers is the one guy that that can be kind of effective on the board. So that's the one that the Duke bigs are going to be keyed in on in stopping. Donald, give me your last word on this Duke Louisville game coming tomorrow night. Or I guess by the time you listen to this, it might be tonight in Cameron. Focus, 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 focus. This is the key. We this is the third Saturday, Monday, back-to-back that we've had this season. We've lost the back end of both games that we've – both Saturday, Monday, back-to-backs that we've had so far this season. Obviously, this is the weaker, weakest team that we will face this year. This has to be a team that we take out 
early. We need to focus in, again, you know, all the intangibles, make sure that we take care of business at home against Louisville. Again, give Nolan Smith his flowers, but once the game starts, I'm sure Nolan Smith will understand if we have to take care of business on the floor. So let's go ahead and do that and make sure that we end this Saturday, Monday, back-to-back on a high note. Yeah, great point about the Saturday-Monday turnaround, which has been tough for Duke this year. Let's hope that they break that streak tomorrow against Louisville. And as you said, great to have Nolan Smith back in the building. For once in my life, I will be uh, rooting against him. So uh, that's a that's a bummer, but we're just going to have to accept reality. So I think we'll leave it there. Stay in touch with us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. We are very close. As soon as the three of us can get on a call together again, we are very close to figuring out what the new name of this show is going to be. And as Jason said this morning, uh, thanks to everyone for sending in your ideas. We've we've gotten some some very some very clever ones. I don't know that we're going super clever on this decision. This is not a this is not a headline, but uh, I like I like the silly ideas nonetheless. So please keep those coming. For Donald Wine, for Jason Evans, who is not joining us this evening, but of course is always with us in spirit and in laughter. I am Sam Klein. This has been DBR Bites, episode fourteen. We'll see you very soon, Duke Band. Take us home.